There's a classic hymn that starts out, Jesus calls us o'er the tumult of our life's wild and restless sea. Doesn't that sound nice? Jesus calling us over the tumultuous waters and leading us to those green pastures and quiet waters of Psalm 23. Especially now as we navigate the world around us that is wrestling with all sorts of things, not the least of which are COVID-19 and the calls to racial justice and the political discord that both of those things bring to our Facebook feeds and our news channels and our conversations with friends and neighbors. It seems that there's no amount of meditation or prayer or yoga or walks in the woods that can soothe those wild and restless seas of our hearts and minds and the life of the world around us. Today in our Bible story, we encounter Jesus and the disciples in a literal wild and restless sea. The story comes from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. I'm reading it today from the Common English Bible. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Evening came and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat, fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning, Jesus came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! They were so frightened, they screamed. Just then, Jesus spoke to them. Be encouraged. Take heart. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it is you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. As he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, saying, You man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be God's son. This story starts with the words, right then. Some translations say, immediately. And so we have to go back and see what happened before, remind ourselves what has just happened. So just before this story, Jesus feeds a crowd of over 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. Jesus had been trying to find some solitude after hearing the news of the death of his relative, John the Baptist. But the crowds followed him, demanded that he teach them, and then they got hungry. And so he had to feed them because they were in a deserted place. When the leftovers had been packed away, Jesus sends the disciples away on a boat. And he sends the crowds back to their homes and finally retreats up the mountain to rest and replenish his spirit. And as Jesus is on the mountain, this windstorm blows up. 
And storms like this are not uncommon in this part of the world, and they often arrive quickly and are very strong. And experienced fishermen like the disciples, natives of this part of the world, would be used to storms like this. Not afraid of storms. Sure, the work of keeping the boat under control in this kind of weather would be tiring, but they wouldn't be afraid of it. Commentary author Carla Works writes that in this exhausted state, with the roar of the waves and the spray of the sea drenching the boat, the disciples mistake the Lord of creation for a phantom. Given the common perception of the sea as the locus of evil and chaos, it's hard to blame them for initially mistaking the figure of Jesus for the specter of death. After all, it is they who have rowed into the middle of evil's realm, and the waves are indeed attacking them. Over their cries of fear, Jesus calls to them, Take heart, it is I do not fear. Jesus reveals himself, not just as Jesus, their teacher, but as I am. Those famous Old Testament words that God speaks to Moses. A more literal translation of what Jesus says would be, Take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. And this statement is a disclosure of Jesus' source of power. For Matthew's Jewish Christian audience, Jesus' words echo that divine name first introduced in the Old Testament. But this self-revelation of Jesus moves beyond his words. His actions are also revealing. According to Job, God alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. In Psalm 89, the psalmist exalts the Lord, saying, You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. In the midst of the sea's churning, Jesus does what only God can do. Still the wind and the waves. So with that information, it makes me wonder... If Jesus' identity is revealed in chaos, like this windstorm and this difficult boat ride, why are we, you and me, and our modern siblings in Christ, so eager to find ease? Why are we so eager for this life that is uncomplicated? It makes me wonder if maybe we're more afraid of encountering Jesus than we are of the chaos around us. When my mother-in-law is describing behavior that she's not fond of, she likes to say, well, that's not a very Christian thing to do. And maybe you know somebody who says this too. Maybe you even say it. And often when we say things like this, what we mean is, well, that's not very nice. Or that wasn't very considerate. Or maybe even, that's not very respectable. But Jesus wasn't always nice or polite or respectable. And often, following Jesus leads to some very chaotic and unnerving places. 
kind of like Peter's experience. Another commentary author, Mitzi Smith, writes this about Peter. Peter soon discovers that it is one thing to be battered by strong winds while in the same boat with others. It is a whole other matter to be on the water surrounded by strong winds and all by yourself without others who share in the same vulnerability. Jesus and Peter were not in the same boat. Jesus had evidently walked on the choppy sea of distress for some distance from the shore to the boat in the fierce winds. Peter had not. Yes, Jesus chastised Peter when he notices the winds and begins to sink. Jesus accuses him of doubting and having little faith. Sometimes, faith is seeing the boat for what it is, a shared experience and the opportunity to lean on one another to encourage each other in the storm while waiting on God. Peter was eager to leave his shipmates and to join Jesus, rather than wait for Jesus to join them in the boat. Sometimes we want our own miracle at the expense of others who are in the same boat as us. Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter, and they both got into the boat with the other disciples. And it is when they are all in the boat together with Jesus that the winds calm down. It's a hard thing to take in, and I will admit that I've been wrestling with this commentary uh, for the past days. Especially that part about seeing the boat as a shared experience and the opportunity to lean on one another, to encourage one another in the storm and the chaos while waiting on God. Our culture tells us that we need our own personal miracles, and it doesn't matter who gets hurt in the process or what expense someone else has to pay as long as I get my miracle. Or... We can make it happen if we just work hard enough or pay enough money, and then we don't even have to worry about God or the rest of the community. But Jesus isn't asking us to do what Peter did, to get out of the boat and walk on water to meet him. Remember, Peter says, command me, Jesus, to come out and walk on the water. And so Jesus is like, okay, fine, come on out right? Uh, But Jesus doesn't ask Peter to do that. Jesus isn't even asking us to want to do that. Jesus is calling us into community, into the chaos for the sake of one another. This is what it means to be a Christian, not to be nice or to be respectable or be considerate. I mean, those are ways to love our neighbor, that nice and considerate part, but that's not what Jesus is asking of us. Being a Christian, following Jesus, is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to stay in the boat and love my neighbor as myself, to be in the chaos with my community, with my neighbors, 
This is why you've heard me talking more and more about the way we live together with our siblings of color, our LGBTQIA siblings, and encouraging us to care for our neighbors by wearing masks and following the protective measures laid out by our healthcare leaders. Because it's about community. Because it's about being in the same boat together, truly and honestly. Not searching for our own individual miracles at the expense of one another. It is about caring for our neighbors in significant and tangible ways. It is about entering into the chaos and encountering Jesus in ways that we've never imagined before. And following Jesus like this requires courage. Jesus says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus says this in Mark, also in the boat scene. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, take heart, as he is giving his farewell speech to the disciples before turning in prayer to the Father. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Why does Jesus say take heart? What is Jesus trying to say to the disciples and us with these particular words? Another way to translate this is have courage. But what do those two things have in common? Jesus is not saying to Peter, buck up, be brave, have some fortitude for crying out loud, where's your gallantry? If we take a look at this word courage, the root of it is from the Latin core and the French cour, heart, which may explain why our translations of scripture vary between take heart and take courage. They're similar words, they're related. And so I wonder if Jesus is saying to the disciples and to us that faith means living out of your heart. That following Jesus means leading, living, and loving with your whole heart. He's saying to Peter, you know who I am. Deep down in your heart, you know me and you know that I will be there. Trust yourself. Trust your heart. Jesus' words call Peter back to himself, to his truth, to his heart, to his faith. And no valiant feat is necessary to verify what Jesus wants Peter to see, what is already true about Peter. And the same goes for you and for me. We already know who we are at our core in our hearts. We have been claimed as children of God through baptism. And in that ritual, we have promised to live among God's faithful people, hear the word of God, and share in the Lord's Supper 
proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and to strive for justice and peace throughout the world. That seems like a pretty good place to start. We're all in the same boat, so to speak. So let's stay in that boat together, learning and loving and watching for God. Not being afraid, but having courage, taking heart, and discovering peace in the midst of chaos as Jesus comes to us in unexpected and powerful ways. Thanks be to God. Amen.